So what happens when you have six friends that hang out for a night, then just vanishes, reported missing, then found several months later, with one still missing, and still, 24 years later? A case that has left the city of Op, Alabama, with many questions and a mystery that no one is talking about. But today, I'm talking about it. This is the Missing Found Podcast. I'm your host, Jaden Harlow. Before we get into the case, I have a few details to share about the show. The Missing Found is a true crime podcast focusing mainly on unsolved missing person cases in the Black community. The cases that I cover have either gone cold, have little to no media coverage, or have gone without conclusion. You can follow the show on Instagram at The Missing Found or on Medium at The Missing Found to read our original script. I also would like to mention that we have a case suggestion form in the show notes or description box that you can complete to submit your case suggestions that are of the Black and Missing. We have a Patreon that's now available for you to become a member in our private community to discuss cases deeper beyond our case analyses through live discussions, ad-free episodes, gain complimentary access to our original script, early releases, and bonus content and much more that's exclusive for members only. The show is now available on all major podcast platforms, including Apple, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. To access all things of The Missing Found, you can visit our website, themissingfound.com. I ask that you please like, share, and subscribe and comment to share your thoughts on this case. This is case episode 13, The Disappearance of James Anthony Reynolds and the Missing Six. I'm sure most of us have hung out with friends at some point. We were all in the car, and there were opportunities where something could have happened. How many nights out have you had with friends? You don't realize how much of a blessing it is to make it home until you don't make it home. The case that we're about to examine could happen to any of us, whether we're in the car with others or not. I'm going to introduce you to all six friends, discuss the facts, present the timeline, theories, and conclude with my opinion. On the late evening of Friday, May 7, 1999, six friends got together to enjoy a night out. The six friends were Valerie McCoy, a 27-year-old wife and mother of five children from ages 3 to 12, and the cousin to Eula Lee. Eula Josette Lee, a 28-year-old mother to two children that all live with her boyfriend in Enterprise, Alabama. Eula worked at the ConAgra plant in her hometown of Enterprise. Angela Roberts Young a 25-year-old nursing assistant at a local nursing home. Angela was enrolled in community college and took some college courses. Angela was not married, nor had any children. Tamara Monique Ward, 22-year-old mother with two children. Tamara and her children resided in Ozark, Alabama. Lamar Jr. Stackhouse, a 25-year-old from Enterprise, Alabama. Lamar had his share of legal troubles, but was making attempts to turn his life around for the better. 
James Anthony, or Amp, as he was often referred to, Reynolds, 29-year-old father of one from Webb, Alabama, and lived with his grandmother. James had some substance abuse issues, but was also working to a better future. At the time, he was working and searching for a higher-paying job. He needed a higher-paying job so he can spend more time with his son and have his own place. They all had goals. They all had families. All six friends had plans beyond a night out. Though all different, they share one thing in common. A nearly 25-year mystery. On the evening of May 7th, 1999, all of the friends met at Lamar's home in the 400 block on West Hildreth Avenue in Enterprise, Alabama. It's not known what the plans were, but all friends got together at his home later that night. Tamara had plans with her cousin to care for her infant for the evening. On this night, around 9 p.m., Tamara then dropped her infant baby girl off with her cousin, who was located in Enterprise, not too far from Lamar's home. Then, she went to Eula's apartment to meet up with the other woman, the four women, Tamara, Eula, Angela, and Valerie, all hung out together at Eula's apartment for a few hours. From there, the women all went to Lamar's home. Not too long after, James arrived to Lamar's home. About two hours later, they decided to go to a nightclub, Hideaway Club in Op, Alabama, which is 30 miles and a 35-minute drive away from where Lamar's house was. The friends arrived to Hideaway Club around 1.15 a.m. on Saturday, May 8th. The club is centered in subsidized housing and is not a very populated area. It's a small club. On this night, it had a couple hundred patrons. Witnesses who recount seeing the friends said that they were having a good time, dancing, drinking, and laughing. Nothing seemed unusual. They all stayed until the club was about to close at 3 a.m. Once it was time to close, the security guard, Larry, Mr. Edwards, for Hideaway Club, had began ushering patrons out of the door. Larry recalls seeing a visibly drunk Lamar behind the wheel of his brand new 1986 Burgundy Chevrolet Caprice that was outfitted with top-of-the-line stereo equipment and gold rims. This was the vehicle that he drove to get him and his five friends to the club. Larry recalls seeing him impaired, blasting music and revving his engine probably attracting attention from other clubgoers. After seeing this, Larry spoke to Lamar and encouraged him to let someone else drive. After this discussion, Larry claimed that Lamar complied and let one of the women get behind the wheel. The woman was said to be Tamara, but this has not been confirmed by law enforcement. At this time, just as they came, all six friends were in Lamar's car and drove out of the parking lot at Hideaway Club and into the late night, early morning darkness at 3.15 a.m. I pulled the weather archives for Saturday, May 8, 1999, at 3.15 a.m. The weather was actually nice out. It was dark, but it was 66 degrees with 0% precipitation, and the winds were only 2 miles per hour, which you would consider light air. It's not exactly clear what their next location was, or if they had any plans after the club but it is largely believed that they were heading home since it was so late. Sometime during the early morning after leaving the club, things went dark. Things went silent. 
The six friends just vanished without a trace until four months later. And with that, there was a rather bizarre discovery. Before we go into the findings, I want to discuss the timeline up until they left the club so I can then present you the facts of what we do know in those moments with actual timestamps. I credit our timeline from Uncovered. So, the timeline. On May 7th, 1999, sometime during that afternoon, Lamar Stackhouse stopped by his father's home to show off his new car. Lamar recently became an owner of a 1986 Burgundy Chevrolet Caprice with high-performance stereo equipment and gold rims. He was excited about his new car and wanted to show it off. Later that night, Lamar would be preparing to enjoy a night out with friends. On the same day, at 9 p.m., Tamara Ward drops off her newborn baby with a cousin. Tamara made arrangements with the cousin to care for her baby that evening since she was going to be out with friends. She dropped off her baby and headed to Eula's to meet up with the other women before they all went to Lamar's house together. At 11 p.m., all of the women who were at Eula's home headed over to Lamar's home to meet up. Lamar's house was the meetup spot. And it's not clear exactly how the women arrived to his home, whether they drove, caught a ride, or walked. This element has not been confirmed. Lamar's home was only a few miles away, so it is likely that someone drove. James arrives at Lamar's home. At this time, all six friends were at Lamar's home. Later that evening, Eula calls her boyfriend. According to her mother, Josephine Farley, she says that Eula called her boyfriend and said she would be home soon. It is not confirmed where Eula made this call, whether it was her home before they left or from Lamar's home when they arrived. At 11.45 p.m., Tamara calls her cousin to check in on the baby. The call was made from Lamar's phone, so this confirms that at this time, the women made it to his house. Tamara's cousin said that she had planned to spend the night with Valerie and would pick up her baby the next morning. So, the next morning, on May 8, 1999, at around 1.15 a.m., the six friends arrive at Hideaway Club in Op, Alabama. They all rode to the club in Lamar's new car. Witnesses recall the friends having a great time, dancing, laughing, and drinking. At around 3 a.m., patrons are ushered out of the club because it was nearing closing time. The security for Hideaway Club was responsible for ushering patrons out. He distinctly remembers the friend group. He recalls seeing Lamar being drunk, behind the wheel, revving his engine, and blasting music. Larry, or Mr. Edwards, the security at Hideaway Club, encouraged another person to drive of the friend group since he was visibly drunk. Mr. Edwards confirmed that he saw all six friends in the Caprice as it departed the parking lot. It is believed that they were heading home because Lamar's home was 30 miles away, which would have been a 35-minute drive. On May 10, 1999, things go dark. The friends are reported missing. Authorities began searching a 45-mile radius, including aerial searches, but found no signs of the friends or that foul play was involved. All six reported missing. As mentioned in the timeline, two days later, on Monday, May 10th, the group is reported missing. 
All six friends, Valerie, Tamara, Eula, Angela, Lamar, and James, missing. No trace. Nothing. It's like they just left the club and disappeared into the night. No vehicle, no friends, no calls, nothing. Tamara's baby was still with her cousin because she never came to pick her up. Six people just don't go missing at once unless something happened. The search. A search ensued. On the same day of being reported missing, on May 10th, authorities canvassed the area in a 45-mile radius. They also conducted aerial searches and found nothing still. Aerial searches are carried out using aircraft to offer a bird's-eye view of the area. Through this, Nothing stuck out to authorities and still no sign of Lamar's caprice or any of the missing six. In a June 6, 1999 article, Enterprise Police Investigator Brian Kaler said we've had no physical signs of an accident and no evidence of foul play. After they've been partying for eight hours, the most plausible theory would be an accident. We've got a lot of country roads, a lot of water, a lot of greenery some embankments. For two months, things go silent. The reward money. At this point, authorities did not have evidence that foul play was involved. It took some convincing, but law enforcement convinced Governor Don Siegelman to issue a reward for $10,000 for any information leading to the arrest of the person or persons responsible for the disappearance of the missing six, if foul play was, in fact, involved. Still, nothing. Silence. Lamar's Caprice Found On September 29, 1999, four months later, Lamar's Caprice was found in Pea River. Pea River is bordered between Barber and Pike counties. It meets at the northwestern area of Dale County, then snakes into Coffee and Geneva counties. The Pea River is 154 miles long. It is a common destination for those with small boats and canoes to enjoy the waters and for fishermen seeking bass, mullet, and sunfish. Today, it is still a popular location for locals. Lamar's Caprice was found submerged in the river upside down. Pea River is only eight miles from Op, where they left Hideaway Club on May 8th, and about 50 feet away from Ballard Bridge. The vehicle was found only 15 minutes away from Hideaway Club. Oddly, the area was searched twice, but nothing was ever found. The water where the vehicle was found was 20 feet in depth. However, that summer was dry, and it led to a remarkably decreased water level in the river while putting the water levels at 9 to 10 feet deep at that time, no longer concealing the submerged vehicle. There was damage to the vehicle which provoked the thought that there had to be some form of accident, seemingly a single-car accident. Investigators came up with the possible theory of what may have happened. They believed the friends were driving, then somehow they missed a curve just before the Ballard Bridge, which sent the vehicle off an embankment and into the Pea River. After the submersion, it trapped the friends in the car, making them unable to exit. Once Lamar's Caprice was found, it was said that the divers made multiple attempts to recover any remains that were not inside the vehicle. Soon, 
you will see that though what you think all six have been found, there is still something missing. A $20,000 reward for answers. On September 11th, 1999, the reward for answers leading to the arrest and conviction of anyone involved in the disappearance increased. The reward then increased to $20,000. Authorities continue to deny that foul play was suspected, and they claim that there is nothing to suggest that. The missing piece of the puzzle. October 27th. Well, out of the six that left the club on May 8th, only five of the remains were found, identifying all of the friends except one, James Anthony Reynolds. So, where is James? Why weren't there any human remains of his in or near the vehicle, if he was said to have left with them? James is the sixth victim in the accident, assumably, but he is missing. Authorities searched months for James, but nothing turned up, except a dark jacket that is believed to be his, but there has been no confirmation on this. The search was called off in July 11, 2000. Still, no trace of James. This is where the story ends for the next 23 years. Now that we've covered our victims, the case details, and the timeline, I want to discuss theories and share more details about what has been made public from commentators about Lamar and James. It's only right that we look at all angles to examine a possibility and where each victim was at in life. Theories. There are some theories that I've come across. Very little believe that the friends all just ran off the road in Lamar's Chevy Caprice. Theory one. A police officer is responsible. Some have theorized that a police officer stopped them that early morning after leaving Hideaway Club. They believe during this traffic stop, something went wrong and it ends there. The relationship between African Americans and the police have not always been good. And many have alluded to this case being either racially charged or a bad ending after interaction with an officer, especially with this being in Alabama, the South. Theory two. Drugs. Because Lamar was said to be a drug dealer and James was on a probation from dealing cocaine, some have alluded to this case being related to an organized hit and that they all were targeted. Theory three. The vehicle was placed in Pea River at a much later date. Some have said that Lamar's car should have been more damaged if it was in a single accident. They also said that the car does not appear to have been in water for long because it was still intact. I will go into this theory when I discuss my opinion. So, the theories about James. Theory one, James actually survived the crash. A common theory about James is that he actually survived the accident into the water, wandered off into the woods to get help and something happened. If he did escape the crash and wandered off into the heavy terrain, there would have been some evidence to suggest that. As far as what has been made public, no remains of James were anywhere in the woods surrounding Pea River. Theory two, he started a new life. I've read this theory and I came across a post regarding a woman who is claiming to be his sister. She said that her brother is not alive and they have no idea where he is. 
Now, this comment does not mean much because we can't confirm who this woman is because her scream name is something other than her actual name. I also want to note that according to an archived article from the Associated Press on October 26, 1999, forensic scientists said there was no sign of James in the Chevy Caprice. They've decided to not discuss more because any further would be only speculation. My opinion. I've read the facts on this case. Articles, recounts from the parents and articles from 1999, and even went to social media to see what commentators are saying. I do that because you would be surprised how the truth can be somewhere in between a comment from a person that resides in the area, used to reside in the area, or their father knows the victim's father or something like that. The commonality that we don't know. When I start from the top, I want to know how do all of the friends know each other? What is it that connects them? How did they meet? How long did they know each other? Who is the mutual friend of this group? I ask because though they are close in age, Tamara, who was 22, is the youngest of them all. There are some age gaps in between. To remind you, Valerie was 27, Eula was 28, Angela was 25, Tamara was 22, Lamar was 25, and James was 29. Typically, friends share something in common. I would like to know what was that commonality they shared. Most of the friends were all in their mid to late 20s. It was the 90s, so things were vastly different. You didn't have social media to connect you. You most likely met that person face-to-face initially or connected through a mutual person. That element is unclear with this group. This could mean something, or it could mean all of nothing. The initial plan. The night that they all got together, I wonder what the initial plan was. Tamara dropped off her infant daughter with her cousin to babysit her so she can hang out with her friends, Valerie, Angela, and Eula, all at Eula's house. Then, somewhere along the night, at around 11 p.m., they all headed to Lamar's house, and James met up with them there as well. I have no confirmation on how they even got to his house. I can only assume that one of the women drove. There has been no mention of another vehicle in this case. What leads me to believe the club was not in the initial plan is because Eula called her boyfriend and told him she would be home soon. Tamara called to check on her baby and says she will spend the night with Valerie and get the baby in the morning. You have one saying she will be home soon, then another planning to stay the night at another friend's house. I can't make much of this, unless the trip to Lamar's house was only for a moment and there were no plans to go to the club. Do you see where I'm going? I conclude to that because all of the women started out hanging at Eula's house. So if they did not plan on staying out at Lamar's, then they would all, assumingly, go back to Eula's, which is why she told her boyfriend that she would be home soon. Again, this could mean all of something or all of nothing. We do know that Eula planned on going home, according to Eula's mother. From what the boyfriend said, he said Eula said that she will be home soon. Eula's mom even made mention that she was not dressed to go to the club because she had on a tank top and jeans, which was unlike her when going out. 
Another assumption of this is because her boyfriend may have seen her before she left to know what she was wearing. If she was going to the club, she would have dressed differently. This is a micro element when you look at it on the surface, but when you consider it in the bigger picture, it makes you question if going to the club was planned or a spur of the moment thing once they all got together at Lamar's house. If not, it is not uncommon for plans to change. Again, this could mean very little in this case, but it could create a direction and possibly a purpose as to why they went to the club, which may correlate to what happened after the club. A club full. The Hideaway Club was located in the center of subsidized housing and in a small building. Oddly, I could not find any address for the Ops Alabama nightclub, which I think is now defunct. I did find that the club has been around at least 20 years before the missing six spent their final moments at the club. What this means is that this club has been around for some time, pretty well known, and possibly a club that Lamar and many others frequented often or knew of, and possibly knew him. It was about 30 miles from Enterprise, which is where Lamar and a few of the friends lived. So this has to be a club that either he frequented or someone else suggested in the friend group. On this particular early morning, May 8th at 1.15 a.m., it was a packed club. There were a couple hundred patrons. Witnesses recount seeing the six drinking, dancing, and just having a good time. This could mean that they all had something to drink and possibly drunk as the night went on. If this was a random accident, it is not far-fetched to believe that. When you mix drinking and driving, even if you underestimated your cognizance and it's dark, there is a heightened possibility of you encountering an accident. That's the reality with no theory and conspiracy. If James did ride with them to the club and left, there were six people in the car, which was over capacity for the size of a Chevy Caprice. The car probably was heavy and sitting a little low. If you've ever driven a vehicle that had a lot of weight in it, you would know that it can be challenging to drive due to the amassed weight inside. I read that Lamar possibly had a lot of money on him that night, maybe flashing it. It makes you think if this really was just an accident off of this element alone. We can't confirm once they left the club that they were actually going home. It's likely because that's the direction they were heading, but we can't be for sure. Probation. I also look at the fact that James was on probation. According to Alabama law, you can face up to five years on probation for a felony. Cocaine trafficking is a felony. If your crime is involved with drugs or alcohol, you may not be able to consume alcohol while on probation. I can't confirm if James was drinking that night. Due to his probation, if that is actually true, I can't understand why he would be in a club that is surrounded by alcohol, since that would have gone against his probation conditions. Did he even go to the club? I want to know if there is solid proof that James really made it to the club in the first place. All we have are the recounts from witnesses and the security guard, but was it really him? It was packed in the club. Would the six really stand out where people would recognize them? The club most likely was dark inside with very limited lighting. I did see one comment from someone saying that she was there that night they were at the club, 
But that is something that I, I can't confirm. I can't confirm if she was told they were there because of the local coverage they received or she actually saw them. Some other comments said that they were also present and the vibe was off. Again, though it may be true, I can't verify this to be factual. Another mention is that there were tire tracks near the river, only four feet away. James's father believes his son is somewhere buried beneath the water. Pea River was searched in that exact area of the tire tracks and they found nothing. At that time, the river was 20 feet deep due to the heavy rains in spring 1999. As the summer came, it was a dry one and that decreased the depth of Pea River to about 10 feet, which made the vehicle exposed and be able to be located by divers. Still, where's James? Some have theorized that James survived the crash, walked away, and started a new life somewhere. But why? Though he was on probation, again, if that is true, he was making an effort to change his life by finding another job. However, since he was on probation, he really should have not been at the club in the first place. Did he fear that and just left the scene? Where would he have gone to not be seen? And for all of this time, two decades. Some have theorized that he was never in the car. This is a possibility too, because since the crash did not have any survivors and five of the six victims' remains were found in the car, with no sign of James's remains, we can't ignore the fact that he could have gotten out of the vehicle while it was submerged in water and his remains could unfortunately be somewhere in there. As mentioned in the theories for James, some believe he started a new life somewhere and have left the city of Op, Enterprise, and Alabama as a whole and somewhere else living out his life as a 53-year-old, the age he would be today. Though possible, I think it's unlikely if he was, in fact, in the vehicle when the accident occurred and it submerged into the water. I say that because I can't confirm if he was dropped off somewhere prior to the accident or even drove away with the rest of his friends from the club parking lot. If he wasn't, then what would be the reason of him choosing to not come forward after hearing the news about his friends? Unless he was hiding from something, or someone, and had a good reason to go missing, as a victim, or simply not there or went into hiding because of something. James and Lamar were said to be into the dealing of drugs or usage, this theory of James somehow just leaving behind his son and his entire life in Alabama could hold weight to it. But who would he be running from? The condition of the vehicle. The condition of the vehicle was really never made public. We've seen a few photos here and there, but the condition of it was really just never publicized. We just know that it had damage to coincide with a single car accident, and when the car was found, it had five of the victims' remains in the car. Some locals have been vocal to say when the Chevy Caprice was pulled out of the water, it did not appear to be underwater for four months. When a car is pulled from underwater after being submerged for four months, it could still have its pink color, but just not functional. You may see busted windows, mud, and heavy debris on the vehicle. The only photo of the Chevy Caprice that I've seen is in black and white from the news article. When you look at decomposition of a body in a car, it's vastly different. 
When underwater, bodies begin to decompose after seven days. It really depends on what gets to it first underwater. I won't go into too much detail about the process of body decomposition in this analysis. However, a vehicle that is submerged into a water will float for maybe a minute or less, then it will begin to sink. Coupled with the weight of the bodies in the car, the pressure from the impact of the wreckage, then hit the ground to leave tire marks, finally, it most likely sank as soon as the car submerged into the water. If it did float for a few seconds, this would have allowed time to unlock the door to attempt to escape the vehicle. In this case, depending on how high the fall was, the speed, the manner in which they crashed, they could have still been alive in the water, but unconscious. There were tire tracks only four feet from the river, and those tracks were most likely theirs as a result of the accident. Escaping a sinking car is extremely hard because of the pressure from the water, making it nearly impossible. I just don't understand how their vehicle was missed in the multiple searches when the tire tracks was right there, where they were eventually found four months later. This case comes down to how did a group of six end up in the water? Was it really an accident? Or did someone make them go off the road? And where is James today? Is James in the bottom of Pea River, somewhere along the 154-mile-long tributary? Some locals from the area, according to comments that I've seen online, they mentioned that no damage was found to the side rails along the bridge or in the area to allude to an accident. I'm not sure we will ever learn what truly happened in the last and final moments of the five friends in that Chevy Caprice because they're no longer here. I can't pinpoint if it was an accident or made to look like an accident. Though we know five of the friends are now deceased, since it was said that their remains were found in the water, with the sixth friend being missing, I am focusing on the manner in which they died to examine if there is a direct correlation to James being missing. Whether this was a random accident due to drunk driving, underestimating their level of alcohol consumption, James could still be in the water 24 years later. Or something far more sinister, where something happened and James was able to get away or was never in the car to begin with. I also would like to know, did anyone at the club know the group, specifically Lamar and James? Were they targeted because Lamar had money? He had this nice car? If Lamar was flashing money, if that statement is even true, was the cash he was flashing found with him? If not, where is it? Did he spend it at the club? Or did someone take it from him? Possibly a robbery sometime after leaving the parking lot and right before the wreck. I do believe there is more to this case, but I can only present what I've researched based on public facts. You know, maybe things just aren't that deep. Maybe with just a single car accident, like the theory that the investigator presented. But where is James today? To forensics, his remains were not in the car with the other five. I believe this was truly an accident. It was dark, they were drinking, and they simply lost control. What I don't know is, if James was let out of the car moments before the crash, or was in the crash, but the only one to leave the scene, we have to remember that it was said that he was on probation for cocaine trafficking. 
Drug trafficking isn't a slap on the wrist type of charge. Possibly, in his mind, he could not have been given another charge, conviction, or face prison time over one night out since he was presumably drunk or was drinking, then involved in an accident coming from a nightclub where alcohol was present, totally against his probation conditions. He would have had to leave everything behind. Would this be enough to leave a scene and just start anew elsewhere? Or did he not survive the crash in somewhere in Pea River? This case is convoluted because there just aren't many details. We can sit here for hours and come up with all kinds of theories as to why this happened and where James could be. The answer is simple. The crash seems like it was an accident. What doesn't make sense is how all five victims were found in the car four months later, and one was not and still missing today. That is the oddity. I ask these questions to help you develop your own theory and examine all angles. Through this, hopefully one day we can set aside theories and learn what really happened on the early morning of May 8th, 1999, that could lead to James. It's been 24 years this year in 2023. Like with every case, especially in a case so cold that no one is talking about it. What can you make of this? It's one of the most bizarre and mysterious cases to date in Alabama. If I could ask four questions, they would be, how did all six friends know each other? What were their original plans that night? Because I don't believe that going to the club was in the original plans. What happened at the club and once they left the parking lot? And where's James? I have my own personal reasoning behind these questions. Until people start talking, sharing what they know, if there is more to this accident that claimed the lives of five victims and leaves one missing, this case will remain open, unsolved, and hauntingly cold. At the time of James's disappearance, he was a black male, stood at 6'1", and weighed between 160 to 180 pounds. His hair color was black, and his eye color was brown. He has a cut scar on his upper left arm and back. There is no information on what clothing or personal items James wore or had with him that night. James would be 53 today, in 2023. If you have any information on the accident that claimed the lives of the missing six, James's whereabouts, or any information concerning James or the other five victims, it should be directed to the Alabama Bureau of Investigation, Agent Simon Benson, at 334-578-1315. I want to thank you for your viewership of the case of the missing six and the disappearance of James. James's family is awaiting his return and wants answers. He wasn't found with his other friends in the vehicle, so this could mean he managed to exit the vehicle and is somewhere else. If there is more to the story regarding this accident, please share what you know. You may not have known something then, but later heard something or seen something you could not recognize until now. I hope to see answers and new findings for all of the victims' families. As always, Please be safe 
be vigilant, and always be aware of your surroundings. May God bless and keep you all. In peace, I will lie down and sleep for you alone, Lord. Make me dwell in safety. Psalms 4.8